Thank you. Yeah, thank you for passing those out. Tell me your name. My name's Alma. Alma. Thank you, Alma. You may open them. Let me tell you what is being passed out to you. First of all, there is a, a little square that has all of the concepts associated with the steps. And I really like the concepts. And so I have taped, I, I just typed it up and taped it inside my 12 and 12. I just like them. Um, so I made them for you. And then the little rolled up things are passages out of um, for today and uh, voices of recovery daily meditations that I do and they have in the index of these OA books they have um, topics like honesty, hope, joy um, in the back so um, I went ahead and printed them up and thought you might enjoy reading those. And if you uh, want to share later about hope, then maybe it'll inspire you to talk about something. Um, I'm Jan, compulsive overeater. Hi, Jan. Hi. Welcome to the convention, 2013 convention. It's really exciting to have the convention here in our backyard. I live in Palm Desert. Um, I've been in program for 36 years. And um, what I'm supposed to start with here is uh, hope, the principle for step two. In step two, in step two we, learned hope, we learned hope as we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. This same hope will now need to underlie all our actions. Even in our loneliest hours, we can remind ourselves of the great truth that we are not alone. Even in our weakest moments, we will find the strength we need if we believe it is available to us and ask for it. Um, <clears throat> hope is a really important piece of my program and my life because of, because of OA. Um, I want to read to you, I don't know if anybody got May 18th, but I wanted to read this to you because I need to hear this before I lead this group. And I, I've been coming to these meetings for 36 years. Why I would feel nervous about being up here makes no sense, but, but I am. I mean, it was, you know, like feeling like throwing up before coming in. And that's about expectations. So I'm going to read this to you so that I can hear it. May 18th. Um, believe that you can be believe that you can be abstinent, you will be. Believe that you can have sanity, peace of mind, and freedom to live the life you want, you will have them. Believe that you will recover, you will. Believe that you can speak in front of a group, you can. Okay. Believing in something that seems impossible requires a leap of faith. The gift of abstinence, freedom from compulsive overeating. The peace and sanity which result from working the program seem like elusive dreams to the newcomer or the relapser. Faith requires that I keep doing what works, no matter what. Sometimes it takes days, weeks, months, or even years before I can see and feel like I have gotten it. And when I do get it, I don't get to keep it because it keeps changing. Isn't that a bitch? <laughs> 
But isn't that always true? Um, the illusion that we can get it, I know, uh, drove me for many years. I loved what somebody said at the end of the last group. Um, I forget how many years she said she'd been in before she found abstinence. Um, and she's a piker. I think she said 11 years or something, and I, it took me 31 years. Um, not that I hadn't had abstinence for periods of time, but I think I always thought I had it, and then I would get complacent and think that I could do it on my own and always go back out. You can do whatever you need to do. Whatever you think you can do, you can do. Faith requires that I keep doing what works no matter what. Today I'm abstinent, very gratefully abstinent. Today I'm at what I set as my goal weight, and I have been for, I don't know, a, a year or two, I'm not sure. Um, about f- almost five years ago, I found a sponsor who led me um, to a hope that, you know, it's funny because Hope is what kept me coming back all those times that it, I thought I had it and then I didn't have it. But for the last four, four or five years uh, since starting with a new sponsor, gosh, this is not what I was going to talk about with you, but what I'm coming to is that for the first time I really got permission to be me. I have redefined my abstinence over the 36 years many, many times and have had many sponsors. I've had sponsors who have mothered me. I've had sponsors who, who uh, shamed me. I've had sponsors who, who I've had kick-ass AA sponsors who really, really beat me up over what I was doing. And, and at that time, that's what I thought I needed. But the sponsor I have now basically keeps me from failing. No matter what happens, there is hope there. Like the 13 days, someone who shared in the last group said that she had been on a cruise and she'd had 13 days of beautiful abstinence and then the last day she messed up and she told her sponsor that she had had lost her abstinence and uh, her sponsor said, but what about the other 13 days? That's the way my sponsor has been with my life. And my sponsor, (laughs) I always think of it as... as, um, She's like a, a washing, t- uh, a bureaucrat that puts a spin on everything because I, I take to her what I have done and, I, and it feels so awful. And then she puts this beautiful glowing spin on it that gives me hope again. Um, when I first started talking to her um, and I told her what my abstinence was, abstinence was she said... Um, your abstinence seems really narrow to me. I mean, here was a sponsor telling me I should, and it wasn't that I wasn't eating enough quantities, but, but I was restricting the things, you know, my abstinence at that time was I don't eat between meals, I don't hide what I eat, I don't eat sugar, caffeine, or alcohol. Well, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't have problems with alcohol. Um, caffeine is not necessarily good for my body, but... Some, well, I, I drink decaf now, but um, every once in a while I'll have a cup of coffee, and it's not a problem. You know, I was not, I think I was confused about what abstinence is. Um, 
my sponsor basically does not allow me to fail. And so I don't get that piece of the, of the uh, routine where I get to beat myself up. Um, so my abstinence today... Now, wait a minute. Before I tell you my abstinence, how many people in here are in their first year of program? Would you raise your hand? Wonderful. Okay, how many of you have been here for uh, between one and five years? Okay, five and ten years? Okay, great. More than ten years? Okay. Um, so we need to talk to everybody about what's going on, but I find that the way I relate to program really changes. The kinds of things that I was looking for in the very beginning are so different from the kinds of things that I'm looking for today. Uh, <laughs> what was I going to tell you? Um, I'm sorry. I just saw someone in the audience, and it made me smile, and my, my, um, my train of thought just went. Step two is a – oh, I was going to tell you my abstinence. I don't eat between meals. I'm sorry, not anymore. I don't hide what I eat. That's critical because for me, it's the secrets I keep. We're only as sick as our secrets. So I don't hide what I eat. And what I do to make sure I don't hide what I eat is I tell my sponsor. I write it down every day without fail. And if I can't remember exactly, I make myself put down the next biggest amount, you know, if I don't know exactly, because I because this is so central to my sanity, I have to be honest about my food. So I don't hide what I eat, and I don't start over. When I came in and started working with her, I was the kind of person who drew a line in the sand. There it is. I will never walk over that line again. And then something would fall apart and I would break the abstinence and I would draw a new line in the sand and I will never again drink coffee. I will never again, I mean, take aspirin. There are a whole bunch of things that I don't do that doesn't work for me because by golly, if if there is a line in the sand, I'm going to go over it. It's just my personality. If you challenge me, if you tell me not to do something, I have to do it. Today, I don't have to do it. And today, I am, I don't know that I would consider myself a person who is comfortable with myself. I would have to ask certain people that know me a lot better than I know myself if I am or I'm not. Um, But I am so much better than I used to be. Step two is about taking a leap of faith. And when I came into the program, that was not something I was able to do. It didn't make sense to me. I came in an atheist, a proud atheist. Um, The leap of faith was about the last thing I was willing to do. But what I have learned over the years, and and I'm, I'm not hung up on atheism anymore, and I have a spiritual concept. I have a God that works beautifully for me. But I learned that I could tape Take the leap of faith because my sponsor said I could do it. Things like like getting up here in front of you, um, my sponsor said I could do it. So I say, okay, then I must be able to do it. And I, I prayed a lot. Um, 
I'll share with you that I was asked to speak at the assembly a few months ago. And there was progress for me because I told all my friends I was doing this. And I, I wanted them to come. That was brand new. I have never wanted anyone to come see me do any kind of competition, any kind of speaking, anything. Because I didn't want you to know, A, how hard it was, B... If I failed, I didn't want you to see it. And the beauty of speaking at the assembly was that I invited all my friends. And then, after the assembly, I cried all the way home. I live about half an hour away. I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. And then, knowing the whole time that that was somehow not program, but I didn't know why. You know, after all these years... And so it required me to do the things that I do, and that is that I write, and I talk to friends, and I abstain. And, um, and when I was asked to do this, I did not hesitate. I said yes. And this time, instead of planning really carefully what I was going to say, I collected some things and trusted God. And I haven't done any planning for this except that today, all of a sudden, it was, <gasps> I didn't plan. I didn't plan. I don't have anything to do, you know. Oh, my gosh. Trust God. So I've just been praying all day. It's yours, God. It's yours, God. It's up, it's up to them to find something in what I say or, or not. So back to the leap of faith. I learned that I could have faith that I can get up in the morning, that I will be okay if I don't stay asleep My depression when I came to OA was the kind where I didn't ever want to get up. I did not want to be in my life. And I learned that I could have faith in the day. And if you do that enough and walk yourself through it, it gets easier. I learned that I could survive without eating the cookie that's there in the room with me. And, of course, you know, one day at a time, one cookie at a time, it gets easier. Um, I can survive when I have that, that urge to go out and buy something. I don't have to get in the car. That, that compulsion to do it feels like there is no escape except to do it. But that's wrong. And I can have faith in the people that have told me that that thinking is wrong. Um, phone calls are a wonderful tool to get back hope. I used to have the debate with myself when I felt like I was going to have to pick something up in the grocery aisle. I would debate about whether to make a call or not. And usually I would, avo- I would rule out calling my sponsor. But I could, I could consider calling a friend and then I would usually rule that out. And then, of course, usually I would pick up whatever it was and, and get it. Um, I don't indulge in that moment, that split-second moment of debate. When, when the debate starts, I just pick up the phone, and I find out what I have to say when I get on the phone. I just don't debate anymore. I have faith in the phone call and call. Oh, oh there's another piece of that, too, though. I say to myself something like, okay, you can have this, but you've got to make the phone call first. Actually, that was a, a phase 
and I'm, I'm into the next phase now. And it's always phases. You know, nothing sticks around. And if I talk to you next year, I'll probably not remember what I said today. But um, I can't get into the debate. I have to make the phone call first. And I don't think I've ever picked up something. If I have the willingness to make the phone call, I have the willingness to let go of that whatever it is that I want to buy or want to eat. Um, I've been in program for 36 years, and I still carry all of the triggers. Well, probably not all of them, but but so many triggers that there are times when I wonder, um, you know, will I ever get well? But the point is, do I have one minute left? Thank you. Um, The triggers don't last as long. They don't come as often. Um, they don't go as, you know, the, the downs don't go as deep. Have faith, all right? I don't want to say, I don't want to say something that sounds like I'm telling you what to do. I have faith that if I do what I'm told in this program, it will get better. And it gets better so faithfully for me that I, at this point in my recovery, I really look forward to all of the growth that I have left to do. Um, I'm so aware of the character defects that I've pulled out, that I, I know that I still need to work on, the, the compulsive behaviors that I still have that have not been lifted. But I believe that they will be lifted, just like what I read to you in the beginning. If I believe it, it will happen. Um, and that's all I have to say. So, thank you. Let's open it up for sharing on hope. You can share on anything you've heard or anything you brought with you or anything you've read on your little paper. Um, hope. Or faith. Hi, my name is Tiffany. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Tiffany. This is very scary for me. <laughs> I just want to say that. Um, I started coming to OA this month, and um, it's been a long road of um, issues with body image from the age of six, um, trying anything and everything that um, I had heard of because I'm compulsive about that, um, with food and everything. Um, one thing I heard in a meeting this month was, um, if I believed, if I truly believed that my higher power, who I call God, um, could really help me through this, that, um, that he would. And I took that and I, um, Actually, I've asked that woman to be my sponsor, and she accepted. And um, I went home, and that next morning I woke up, and I got on my knees, which I don't think I've done since I was a little girl. And I prayed to God that um, I thought I believed he could help me throughout all of these years of being 
um, a compulsive eater. And I don't truly think that I did. Um, but that morning, I prayed step one, and I told him that I believed that he could get me through this um, day by day. And um, and he did. And I'm on day three of abstinence. And... And um, and I have to say that from day one, three days ago, I had one craving, and it's just been amazing that um, that he really is there. And each day, um, somebody said, even each heartbeat, each moment, each hour, um, it's just been an amazing experience. Just even within these three days, and so um, I just want to say thank you for letting me share. Hi, I'm Nicole, a compulsive overeater and restrictor. Um, and I think I'm too tall. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, faith and, and hope. Um, that's pretty much exactly what I need to focus on right now. I, um, I'm a control freak, shockingly, um, and I want to be able to control exactly what's happening next and all the time. And when I don't know what's happening next, I'm terrified and I think I'm going to die. Like, literally, like, oh, my God, I'll, I can't get through this. You know, it's like, what do I really think is going to happen? You know, like, when I reach an obstacle in life, I can't get through this, I can't get through this. And that's, like, why I used to eat and why I used to starve myself and why I took laxatives and did a million juice fasts and um, I didn't want to feel the feelings. I didn't want to feel the fear. I didn't want to face my fear because I didn't know what I was afraid of. But I'm, what I'm really, my, what my fear really comes from is that I don't have faith. I don't have hope. I think that things, I put a permanent label on today. Like the way things feel today, I'm convinced that they're never going to change. And that's... The, one of the key things that I've gotten from this program in the past year and five months that I've been in these rooms is that things always change, you know, like nothing lasts forever. And like there are going to be times that are really hard and really scary, but I'm going to survive. There are going to be great times, just as many great times, and beyond just great times and bad times, there's this whole thing in between called life that I can live. And um, I'm just kind of exploring that and discovering that for the, for, for the first time. Um, I just want to put out in the open, it's like I've had a year full of change. Like I just moved in with my boyfriend um, and um, my, my mom just sold my childhood home and I moved away from there where I was staying for a time. And um, I have a lot of unknowns in my career and I've had a lot of health things happen. And I have to have faith that I am going to be taken care of no matter what and that I'm exactly where I need to be today, right here, even if it's a little painful and it's a little scary. That, like, no matter what I eat or don't eat, that's not going to fix it or make it go away. I have to have faith that it's going to get better. And I have to embrace the present moment and fall in love with the unknown. Um, and um, so, yeah, without faith and hope, like, I would just be a lost mess and I wouldn't be able to be abstinent and not compulsively eat. Um, so acceptance is the answer. I have to accept things and, and know that they're going to change. Thanks.
Hi, I'm Vivian. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm real happy to know that I'm a compulsive overeater today. Um, I came to Overeaters Anonymous quite a long time ago. And, uh, you know, before I got here, I didn't know I was a compulsive overeater. I thought I was just, you know, a weak will glutton and I needed to go on a diet. And uh, I came to Overeaters Anonymous and I heard people talking about abstaining from compulsive overeating. And to me, that was just a whole different and new concept, you know. It, uh, you know, I came to see it through the help of my sponsor as, uh, you know, like a pearl of great price, you know, something to cherish and hold on to. And I sort of treated it that way for a really long time. But when I came to OA, um, we didn't have all the wonderful literature that we have today. Uh, we didn't have, you know, this book and all of the other little books and most of the pamphlets we didn't have that we have today. We had the AA 12 and 12 and the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So when I walked through the door, uh, you know, they suggested that I buy the AA, those books, those two books, read the AA big book and see if I could identify, you know, with the feelings and the problem in there. And so I got the book, and I started to, to read it. And uh, I found, you know, I found myself in that, in, you know, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I identified with uh, the jaywalker and, <laughs> and the guy that thought he could pour milk into his booze and drink it, and he, he wouldn't think it would hurt him. You know, it's just this one time, this one cookie, you know, won't it, I, you know. You know, it, it just didn't work. I just, I found myself all over the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the problems and everything. So, you know, I was reading the book one day, uh, and it occurred to me that if I so identified with the problem that the solution was in here, and if I could just find it and apply that solution, that you know, I would be able to recover from the disease of compulsive overeating. So um, I'm looking for this one, this one part that is just gave me so much hope, and I like to share it every time I get an opportunity. Does anybody know what page the promises are on? Eighty-four. Okay. All right. 83, okay. So this is right after the promises. Um, okay. It's right in where they're talking about step 10. At the bottom of page 84, it says, And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. That little sentence right there was so hopeful to me. I mean, that's what I wanted. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We had not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. 
It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And when I, when I read that, I thought, that's what I want. You know, that's the hope that I want right there. I don't want to have to fight it. I don't want to have to avoid it. None of that. I just want to live peacefully, you know. And I found that in Overeaters Anonymous. Thank you. Thanks for your service, Jan. Hi, I'm Felina, I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, compulsive share. <laughs> I've been given so much in this program, it's the least I can do is to give some of it back. Um, I'm always happy to hear the big book referred to in these, in these rooms. I really, really appreciate it um, because what gave me extraordinary hope was the doctor's opinion. If, if you haven't read it, and you want to talk about it, please come find me, and I will tell you all about it, because I love it, um, because, because it gives me hope, because it really gives me hope. I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind, and the allergy of my body tells me that if I, if I have one of something, I'm going to want 10,000 more, and the obsession of the mind tells me every time, this time is going to be different. You know, and my head lies. My head lies. Um, and so the doctor's opinion gave me extraordinary hope um, in these rooms, and um, for that I'm eternally grateful. And even I got, I got beyond the whole, you know, white Christian old men kind of thing, language in the big book, um, and now I can identify what helps me rather than what I don't, uh, I, I don't want to hear. Um, on the topic of hope, I love, love, love step two because um, what it tells me very specifically in the OA 12 and 12 is that if I just do what you did, I don't have to believe it's going to work. I just have to do it. I don't have to understand why. I just have to do it. And if you guys have figured out the problem, why do I keep trying to reinvent the wheel myself? You know, I'm really, really, really smart. People told me a long time ago, you're really, really smart. I can't figure this shit out. I cannot. And step two tells me I don't have to. I just have to do what you guys do. Um, that makes me feel very, very hopeful. Tiffany, welcome. And congratulations on your three days. That's, that's very hopeful to me. And um, I really thank you for sharing. Um, the, the men and women in these rooms have raised me, including one of them right here. Um, they have really grown me up. <laughs> they have raised me up to be a, uh, uh, probably a teenager emotionally, but, you know, that's okay. I'll get over that. I even have the pimples to prove it, um, <laughs> which is so charming, I know. Um, but I have hope today that I'm not just going to get old and flabby and gray. I'm going to grow gracefully. Because that's what I see you guys doing. That's what I see the people in this program doing. I mean, I, I have a friend in my life who's in this program who's, who's actually um, who I, I live with, who is seven years old, and she's one of the most beautiful women you've ever seen in your life, inside and out. And I am so, she lives this program, and I get to watch it. I get to watch this program being lived every day. And I mean, I get to watch it under some difficult circumstances, you know? I mean, when you live somebody, you, you get to see it every day. And man, that gives me hope. That gives me so much hope because if it's possible for her, it's possible for me. And if it's possible for me, it's possible for the newcomer. There's so much hope there. And all I have to do is admit to complete defeat. That's all. That's all that's required because I have to be in step one. I have to really own that. I can't do anything by myself. I can't stop eating by myself. I can't stop hating by myself. I can't stop getting into stupid relationships by myself. I can't stop spending compulsively by myself. I can't stop beating myself up by myself. But with your help, I can, and I do. 
and it's really, really awesome. So thanks for letting me share. Hi, everybody. My name is Jerry. I'm a compulsive overeater. I like this uh, hope thing. I, I realized, you know, thinking about it a little bit, that I kind of live on hope. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, if I got a crappy mood, I just have to remind myself of the good things that can happen and that will happen and uh, try to do the things that make me uh, satisfied with my life and happy within myself. And know that when I go to a meeting, there's going to be somebody there that cheers me up, something I can identify with that makes me happy. Somebody's going to call me during the day. That's going to make me feel good. Uh, I believe, you know, in Overeaters Anonymous, I believe in these 12 steps without any reservation. And, uh, and my life is good because of it. My wife, Vivian, didn't say it, but she's been in Overeaters Anonymous 40 years this month. And uh, she's got the program of programs. <laughs> so I get a lot of hope living with her. I'm 32 myself. But, uh, you know, I ran into Alma as we were coming through the door. And when they started talking about hope, I thought of Alma. Because I've watched her for a year and ten months just fucking become wonderful. You know? <laughs> I mean, when she talks, everything is great and getting better all the time. And I'm going... Oh, yeah, that's why I come here, to watch this miracle unfold. You know, it brings tears to my eyes. I also go to the AAs, and I watch guys that would have spent their life in prison if it wasn't for these 12 steps. So it's a big deal. There's a lot more going on here that meets the eye, and I don't need to sit around and parse it or uh, argue with it or dissect it or, you know, play games with it. Just do it. Go help somebody. You know, no matter how much time you got, you can find somebody to help. When I first came in, I thought, well, yeah, but I, what do you mean, find somebody to help? I had to make a decision to look for people to help, look for something to do to help somebody else. That'll get me out of myself more than anything else, get me out of my me, 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 I, I, I. I'll close with this. I made a, a intellectual diatribe of wonderful information about the program one time in a meeting, and one of these old-timers talked after me, and he says, well, I don't know about all that happy horse shit. <laughs> all I know <laughs> is if you don't drink, you won't get drunk. And, uh, you know, I wish there was a little more of that in a way, because it's true. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've been coming to Overeaters Anonymous since November 22nd, 2001. My current abstinence date is July 28th, 2002. And before I came to OA, I used to weigh at least 437 pounds and have a 66-inch waist. Um, I need hope. Hearing other people's experience. I'm an acronym junkie. Um, and that's why I'm here. I'm from Illinois. And... People are like, why did you come all this way? I said, you know what? If my food were here, it would not stop me from getting to California. <laughs> I would find a way. But as I was looking at that Southwest Airline plane pulling up to the jet bridge outside yesterday, I thought to myself, why am I spending all this money? I could just put 
a few bucks in the basket and just go to more meetings at home in the Chicago area. I'm like, you know what? No, I need to be around other people. I need to meet new people and grow and strengthen and offer that support that I can get, you know, that kind of hope that someone hears that. You know, I mean, I've been told by people they feel violated when I walk into a meeting until they hear me share a part of my story because they're like, well, I would never have known. You don't look like you were ever fat. And I'm like, well, that's good, I guess. But um, I was. And, um, you know, I, I don't have to live like that today. Um, when I watched that plane, I thought, you know, I wouldn't have the money to go to California because I'd be eating it all. I'd be spending it on food. And I wouldn't flip, flipping fit in one of those seats because I've had that issue before with the extension. And uh, it, it was humiliating to me. I can be humiliating now. Just Wednesday, I was very short with my wife the day before I left. And, you know, it's kind of a melding of honesty and hope and whatever. You know, she's still texting me and saying she loves me. And, you know, she doesn't hold a grudge with me. And I'm just so grateful for that. I don't want to take things for granted, and I can do it. So just saying that out loud gives myself hope that, you know, I don't have it made. I, I could overeat on my way to the main session that most of us are going to right after this. I could do it. I wouldn't put it past me. So I need that reminder. My name is Janice, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Janice. And uh, hope. There's hope in these rooms. There's hope in the program. Before I started going to OA, I felt hopeless. And hopeless to the point where um, I just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And when I looked when I, I was just looking at the pictures just yesterday, you know how you just kind of go back through stuff, and oh, pictures from a long time ago. Oh, let me see. And I looked, and I said, who is that looking back at me that looks kind of like me a little bit? It was me. I was so, so overweight until I thought, how did I walk? How was I was sitting on the floor with one of the babies, um, my goddaughter, and she was just so cute and everything, and I thought, how did I get down there? And once I got down, how did I get back up? I was that kind of big. And I, when I looked at her, me, I thought, did I hate myself? Yeah, I did. I don't have to hate myself today. I love myself today. I learned how to love myself in these rooms. It doesn't matter if I reached goal or didn't reach goal. As a matter of fact, they asked me, what's your goal? I said, I don't have one. Wherever God wants my weight to stop and level out, that's my goal. I can't put a number. If I put a number, if I stick a number out there, it's like I'm on another diet. I always failed on a diet. But just for today, I can eat a certain way. 
I don't have to be, uh, I don't have to eat compulsively over whatever. Just for today, I don't eat sugar, and for just for today, I don't eat white flour. And that's, you know. Anyway, I'm just grateful for this program. As I sit and I look around this, 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 these uh, rooms, I'm reminded of when I first came into OA back in 1980-something. It was early. And then the argument started over the change in the food plan and all of this. And it's like, <gasps> they're messing. With, it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. And it was they, it, would, it was changed, and it's like, well, I'm not going to that anymore. And, of course, you know where that got me. Um, but anyway, I'm just grateful for the fact that this program continues on today, changes and all, and that I don't have to compulsively overeat. And there is hope. There is so much hope. The other day, I have to share this little bit. How much, what does that mean, 15 more seconds or one minute or what? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I was at Costco, and I ordered um, a big piece of whatever, and I wasn't planning on eating that big piece, but I was going to take the topping off and put it on top of a bread that's acceptable for me, some Ezekiel bread. And, uh, yeah, the tasteless variety. And um, so I scraped the topping off, and I put it on my Ezekiel bread, and I sat there, and I ate it, and I felt so special. And this couple, an older couple, was sitting next to me eating the same thing that I had ordered. And they kept looking over at me, and I thought, oh, they're going to think I'm a freakazoid or whatever because I'm not doing it their way. And afterwards, they said, excuse me, do you mind if we share something with you? We would like to borrow a page from your life. And I said, a page from my life? What do you mean? We watched you as you took the topping off of that and you put it on that brown bread. We're going to start doing that. And I thought, wow. Thank you, OA. My name's Alma, and I'm a compulsive reader, and I'm from Long Beach. Hope and faith. Um, I came to OA on August 6, 2011, and I came pretty beaten up. Um, I consider myself to be, you know, a mighty warrior, uh, someone who was invincible, someone who couldn't withstand everything. And, um, you know, career-wise, I had achieved everything, but... You know, at night, I would go home and just eat and isolate, and that was just basically, my kryptonite was basically food. I went into what I call myself the dark place and, um, you know, went to an OA meeting, saw these people, and they had such peace, they had such life within them, and I said, you know, this is bullshit, but I got to be here, because they had that whole God thing, and I was just like, you know, I... I just can't, but I had no other, there was nothing else to do, so I was willing to try anything. I kept coming and coming and coming, and I think that's where Jerry and Vivian saw me grow. They saw me grow. They saw me be that mean, tough pet bull who was just angry and was willing to, you know, anybody who would cross my path, I would basically, I could chew up and spit out, but as time passed along, it's like, this is not serving me any 
purpose here. I'm here. I'm in OA for over a year. And what? Yes, your weight has gone down. Yes, you're a little bit more stable, but you don't have that peacefulness, that graceful, that graceful living that um, one of the fellows uh, talked about. And I want that. I want that peacefulness. So I kept coming. I kept coming. And then it finally dawned on me, well, maybe if you stop being so angry and so pissed off at everything, maybe things will change a little. So I think I just slowly, slowly started getting that. I think I always had that faith. I think that um, the hope has definitely been there, but there's been that part of me who has struggled, struggled all along. It's been a fight all the way up to today. Um, and even coming today, I'm just so thankful for all of you who put this together for us. I like to consider myself a newcomer also, and for the newcomer, stick around. It, it just gets better and better because if anybody, I mean, if anybody's a believer now, it's me. And I would never thought that I would be an individual that would drink the Kool-Aid, as they say. <laughs> I, I was sharing with a colleague the other day, and he, he's all like, well, what do you mean you've got to do all of these four-step stuff? I call it the Bible version. I go, you know what? I don't care. It doesn't matter if these people tell me to jump into a pool of whatever, I'll jump into a pool because it's working. It's, you know, I've lost 30 pounds. I've stayed off medically. I'm so much, much more fit. And I think the my biggest struggles have been me. And I think that's what OA has been teaching me. It's been teaching me how to love myself, how to be with peace with myself, and not to really care about that big empire out there that I want to conquer or I want to be the next Hillary Clinton. You know, it doesn't matter. I just want to be me, Alma, and I just want to love myself. Thank you. I'm a compulsive overeater and sugar addict. Hi, Michelle. Hi, everybody. It's good to be here. November 7th. It's from this book, Voices of Recovery. If we could just get to the perfect weight, life would be perfect. I joined OA to lose weight and keep it off, something I had never managed in all my years of dieting. I believe that only my morbid obesity kept me from having a perfect life. I knew if I could get it right, I would have no problems. Many surprises awaited me in OA. I learned I had been using compulsive overeating to ignore deeper problems that would have overwhelmed me without the extra food. I discovered I had many more problems than I knew. OA members told me I would have to deal with my problems to get better. They said life would never be perfect, and neither would I. These truths, these truths could have discouraged me. Instead, they freed me to be human, to make mistakes, and to try again. The glowing faces of members in recovery and their warm encouragement gave me hope that I, too, could recover if I worked the 12 steps. I am now recovering. My wonderful new life is better than all my fantasies of perfection. This is so true for me. I was really delighted to get this, and what a neat way you did of setting up your meeting. Um, I got to go wait. I forget how long I'd been in OA. Not very long. And I maintained that weight. For several months, and then I got really stressed at work and really stressed in my relationship, and I started losing more weight. And then I went on a trip to China, and I got really sick in China, and I could hardly eat. And pretty soon, I was I was pretty much underweight, and I looked good in that size below all my other stuff. I thought I looked so good, 
And I was so sick. I was sicker than I've ever been. I was more miserable in my relationship, in my job. And, and here I was, this itty-bitty size, this little tiny number that I have not been anywhere since, since then. And I was crazy and miserable. So I like what this said about, they said life would never be perfect and neither would I. And um, I need to remember that, that it's, there's hope here. And it's not about what weight I am. I know we get here, and when we quit eating compuls- when we quit eating compulsively, we do lose weight. You know, when we quit engaging in our compulsive behaviors, we do lose weight, and it feels good to lose weight. And it, it's nice to be able to move around and, and do things and buy different clothes. But I have to remember, I was my craziest when I was really skinny, and um, I've had some of my most sane times a little bit overweight. Because I was really working a program at those times. I'm not, at, I'm not saying go out and gain some weight. Um, but my recovery has never been in my size. It's been in, am I working my program? Do I show up for 10 and 11 on a regular basis? Do I work with others? Do I go to meetings? And that's when I feel good, regardless of my clothing size. So thank you.